to Feminist Buzzkills Lives, the podcast that just realized that Hardee's has breakfast sandwiches and jokes. <laughs> I'm Moji Elawode L, joined by the Abed to my Troy Marie Khan. Hi, Marie. Hello, everyone. Liz is off being professionally funny in Duluth and not joining us today. While I'm over here waiting for Moji to scooter me some pillowy biscuits, we've got a <laughs> show for you. <laughs> We're going to talk to Calla Hales from Preferred Women's Health Center in North Carolina about how terrifying the anti-abortion protesters are at her clinic. And I got to sit down with the one and only bitch and discuss escaping New York and touring in the late COVID era. But first, there's a cool thing happening in abortion landia. Yes. Yes, there is. The yearly National Network of Abortion Funds have a taco beer challenge, and it is underway right now until September 18th. So post a selfie of yourself eating a taco and drinking a beer and donate to one of the myriad of specific abortion funds that are online. Moji, what fund did you pick to donate? To? Um, I've decided that I want to donate to the North Dakota Wind Fund. That's the pick off the top of my head. And just in so you have some taco suggestions, I like a fish taco and a tecate. Mm, fish tacos. <laughs> Hell yes. I, speaking of the Dakotas, I'm a huge fan of the Gen Fund of South Dakota. And I think for me, really eating vegetarian taco. I love mushrooms. I love corn. That's my jam, along with a hazy. A hazy IPA. Yeah, that's pretty delicious. Um, but there are so many funds in need. So please find one or 10 that resonate with you and donate, donate, donate. Now, time to pivot. Then with this section, I'm afraid as we go through just a quick hits on the news that I'm going to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer. Wah, maybe, a dead, wah. maybe a dead queen. <laughs> but regardless, today in the bad, we have a lineup for you. So first off, Indiana's abortion ban started yesterday, Thursday, September 15th. And this ban starts at the moment of fertilization. Whenever that is. Whenever that is. So, you know, I think I know Liz isn't here, but I know she would like us to advise you all to guard your cum rags. You don't you don't know. You don't know what's in store for them. And. Another really insidious aspect of this ruling is that abortion clinics now are no longer state licensed. They can't provide abortions. So for anyone in a small category having the prerequisite rape, incest, or medical danger attached to their pregnancy, anyone in the state of Indiana has to be at a hospital or a hospital-owned ambulatory surgical center to get legal care. That's fucked. Moving uh, south a little bit and east, we have Kentucky, where Kentuckians are already preparing for a very bad abortion ban that's going to be on their ballot in November. Voters only have to respond in yes or no form to this. And the proclamation is to protect human life. Nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. So opposite of enshrining abortion access. That is what this is right here. And then lastly, to round out this really sad array of updates is West Virginia, where they have a near total abortion ban that really, really splits some hairs. So not any not only is it fertilization, which is sort of the hot the hot theme of everything. Again, here. when is that? I I don't know. I really is it when is it when someone looks at you? Is it when I don't know. Pelosi like, said it's, it's a candlelight dinner the night before. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Okay. So not even dry humping. No. It's the wine and dine before the 69ing. Exactly. That. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, in West Virginia, not only are you limited on when you can even look or think about abortion, but if you've been raped or incested, you get a cool eight weeks to get an abortion if you've reported to law enforcement. So that means because you can't find out if you're pregnant before four weeks. So you have four weeks from finding out you're pregnant while dealing with the trauma of rape or incest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They do. I should, I should mention that they do have a tiny bit of grace for a young person. If you're under age 18, you get a slightly larger window of 14 weeks, but again, you're working with law enforcement or your physician is aware you've been raped 
or been subjected to incest and brutalized. So, you know, again, this isn't healthcare. This isn't reproductive justice. This is not what West Virginia deserves. Uh, It's also not science, but okay. well, I'm going to bring a little balm of the good to that little shit sandwich you just threw at the wall. Um, (laughs) New York has budgeted one million dollars to support traveling abortion seekers, as well as help close the financial gap for people who cannot afford one. So that is great news in New York. Also, a startup called Show spelled C-H-I-O-X, is offering advanced abortion provision. And advanced abortion provision is the ability to buy abortion pills before you need them, um, before you might be pregnant, and hold on to them in case you do need them. So it's a great option for people who can afford it, but at $289 per dose, it's really for a privileged few. It's not for everyone. And it's also not available in all states, but if you're interested, you can check out our show notes. Um uh, I think my co is the website where you can get more information. Also, an Ohio judge put in place a temporary restraining order overriding the state's six-week abortion ban that's been in place for two months. So for the next, I guess from now, 13 days, abortion has resumed being legal up to 20 weeks in the Buckeye state. So that's temporary good news. That's going to help some, again, a privileged few. Um, but, you know, I don't know what the plan is for enshrining that um, or even taking us back to no abortion restrictions. As a reminder, these stories will be in the show notes and the most up-to-the-minute resource on accessing abortion care and finding a clinic that's open and accessible near you is by visiting INeedAnA.org. Now that we've got you sufficiently terrified, you're trying to track your ovulation based on your state's laws, it's time to get into an even denser pile of bullshit this week. Moji, what have you been following up on? I've been in Tennessee. Um, basically in August 25th, an abortion ban went into effect in Tennessee, and that ban makes performing an abortion a felony for doctors with no exceptions for, well, anything, no exceptions for health or life of the pregnant person, no exceptions for rape or incest, no exceptions for ectopic pregnancy or any other incompatibility with life. Any reason that a person may need an abortion is not recognized by the state of Tennessee. Furthermore, if the if the doctor does do an abortion to like, you know, save a person's life, if indicted, the burden of proving it was medically necessary fully shifts to the doctors, which is wild. Right. Like ectopic pregnancy, you're never going to get a baby. And the worst that will happen is intense harm to the pregnant person. Uh, So this lawyer, Chloe Akers, basically sat down when the law went into effect. She read it. And was terrified and horrified. And she left her cushy lawyer job um, to kind of help interpret it and then ultimately defend doctors and help figure this shit out. What's really bothersome, not it's, there's so much bothersome about that. But one thing that I feel like we've been pounding the drum about is like this law passed three years ago. Right. This isn't even something that like uh, legislature scrambled in the last month to like pull together, scrambled post jobs to pull together. They passed three months, three years ago, and just everyone has been so cynical about what would happen to Roe that no one even thought to challenge it when it passed. So that so that literally three years sat there. It's now here and it's now active. Moji, you mentioned that in particular, the doctor, if they're indicted, the burden of proof is on them to prove that this abortion was needed. Yes. It's not it's not the fact that there's an existing, living, vibrant, non-pregnant person here that's safe and healthy. It's not enough. The fact that not, not enough. enough. Yeah. It's basically the example I saw that made a lot of sense was it's essentially like uh, a doctor has um, it's essentially like when a person has d- committed a murder in self-defense and then they have to go to trial to prove that it was, in fact, self-defense. Like that's what a doctor in Tennessee would have to do if they save someone from intactive pregnancy. Uh, And the legislators essentially said we did this on purpose to make the burden on the doctors extraordinarily high. It's really fucked up. Also, one of the points that I think people don't think about 
is this makes doctors have to balance care for their patients, right? And the fact that they can be sued because there's medical malpractice and then this non-medical law that essentially forces them into degrees of medical malpractice. Like it's wild. It's really a double jeopardy for doctors. And this is not even, we're not even touching on like, patient suffering, right? The double bind for the doctors is a side effect. But while the doctors are sussing out this double bind with their lawyers, a patient, a living, breathing person with thoughts and people who love them is suffering. Yep. And all this law does is divert attention away from that and is like, look at these doctors. Let's go after them. Exactly. It's really fucked up. And it truly, the the main effect, I think, of, of like the trauma Well, one of the big effects is going to be that, you know, doctors are going to be like, I paid all this money to be a doctor. I'm not going to be in Tennessee. I'm just going to take my talents to New York. And like, you know, people in Tennessee need healthcare too. So this is really, anyway, I could go on and on and on, but this is bullshit on bullshit. And um, let's just move on. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I know you were thinking, you were looking at some news and it seems like the Biden administration keeps grasping at straws rather than, I don't know, looking at the abortion issue and like taking the force of the federal government to solve it. Uh, So they recently in the last few weeks suggested another little piecemeal solution. Marie, will you bring us up to speed? Yes, happily. So the Department of Veterans Affairs, they've been in the news this week. um, And my reading on this is they were like, oh, look, other other employers, quote unquote, are talking about people having to travel for abortion care coverage. Maybe we should think about, too, that for, you know, all the service people, all their covered dependents who have been asking for health care, you know, since we started making people sign draft cards. So on face value, if what was if this was what was actually happening, that abortion would be accessible to people that are in the military, I would be absolutely elated. But if you're wondering how the U.S. military would skirt the Hyde Amendment, the supremely racist legislation that since 1973 has been a death sentence for pregnant people, not because it doesn't allow to use of federal funds to cover abortion care. We're wondering the same thing over here. And it turned out that this gesture by the VA is for those pregnant people needing an abortion under specific circumstances, rape, incense, or their life is in medical danger. So again, the same very specific small pools of criteria of reasons that we're trying to assign folks to get care. And supposedly the VA will be providing these abortions. Now, whether that means the VA is going to hire abortion doctors or have a process set up, I have so many questions about it and found zero answers in scouring the internet. It's also unclear if all the 171 VA medical centers in the U.S. will have someone who can do abortions there, or are we going to be telling someone you need to to up and leave? Um, And I'm also curious how someone needing abortion care or for their dependents, um, those folks that are stationed outside of the country, that are on aircraft carriers, that are on subs, like all of these people with uteruses that we have operating everywhere in the military, how are they and their dependents going to get this abortion care when they need it? That is timely. That is critical. I also wonder what happens if like the, you know, most the bulk of our military bases are in Texas, right? Yeah. Um, so what happens with the VA hospital in Texas? Do Does someone come to the VA and do a bounty hunter law for the doctor in Texas? Also, I... you made a really good point, right? Like this is for people who are veterans and their beneficiaries. And in specifically in the case of incest, is the person who raped the parent of the dependent? More than likely, yeah. At the VA, like it's so dark. Yep. We know that when a young person comes and is is pregnant through incest, yeah, it's usually usually their father, usually their uncle, brother, grandfather. Like you look at the closest men in someone's life and family. <sighs> so yeah. But that's so these these again, and I want to hone in on the fact that at FBK Live, we thoroughly believe in bodily autonomy. We don't like reason bans. We don't like exclusions. And we don't like strict required reasons to say this is the only way you can have an abortion. So don't tell someone you only deserve an abortion if you were raped or impregnated by a family member. Like that, that is, that's not the way the U.S. military should conduct health care. That's not the way our country should conduct health care. And it entirely ignores the mental, emotional, financial health, all these other things that pregnant people deserve to have taken into account not just their physical health, when someone comes to you and asks and says, hey, 
I need to have an abortion. I need to terminate this pregnancy. All of this matters. All of it. Here, here, here. Well, Marie, someone is interested in some of that sweet, sweet federal action, i.e. abortion. Uh, An asswipe senator had a fun abortion announcement this week that has, um, I think that I speak for everyone where I say it makes our hair stand on end. God, yes, Moji. So Lindsey Graham Cracker, he dropped a federal ban out of his Keebler elf tree this week. (laughs) This legislation, it creates a 15-week abortion ban ceiling. So across the board in the U.S., they would say 15 weeks is the cap. Now, however, it has a catch. If you live in a state like Idaho with rape apologists like Chuck Winder, the most restrictive law gets to stand. So it's not everybody gets 15 weeks. It's the most everybody gets is 15 So if weeks. you're in Tennessee and it's uh, no abortion, no exempt, no exemptions, you don't even get your 15 weeks. You just get that because yep. you're Correct. in Tennessee. But if you're in New York or Colorado, 15 weeks is all you get. Yep. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Under under this plan that he crafted in his Keebler Elf treehouse, you're you're federally forced to stay pregnant. There's there's also his little 15 week ban has zero regard for non viable fetuses. So you you would one would have to carry a pregnancy until they expelled it, even if it's known that there's no way this fetus will be able to survive. Uh, He's also this is the part that really, really enrages me. He's put forth justification, Lindsey Graham, on this 15 week ban using really incredibly disgusting racist analogies and justifications. Stalker. Yeah. Yeah. Like textbook. And it's like he looked at what Henry Hyde would have said and was like, you know what? I'm going to stop sniffing this man's ashes and just do him proud. He said that the U.S. needs to be more like developed countries that he he indicated. And this is direct quote, why it's OK to be more like Iran and less like France on abortion and wants to model restrictive policies we see in European countries. So he literally wants us to do what Poland, what France, what um, England, what all these other colonizing held spaces have done. It's only going to increase maternal mortality rates and continuing to colonize our own healthcare here in the U.S. if we go after monolithic restrictive legislation. I mean, the upside is like this probably has zero chance of going anywhere right now, but it has a great chance of going if the Republicans recapture the Senate and the House. So more reasons to get their shit together. Yep. More reason to vote. Yeah. People vote. We've got to stop fascism. And we don't just want you to take our word for the bullshit that is facing abortion seekers and abortion providers. We are excited to be joined today by our next guest, a clinic director who grew up in the abortion community. Please welcome Calla Hales of the Preferred Women's Health Center, serving Georgia and North Carolinians especially. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hey, Calla. Hi. How are you? We're great. Yes, Calla, it is great to have you join us. Your parents opened the first Preferred Women's Health Center in Raleigh back in 1998, where you started working from a young age. Your clinic in particular has had a history of terrifying protesters because of the hub of anti-abortion extremists we're starting to see in North Carolina. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of extremism that you have experienced and how that's grown into an even worse strain of garbage um, of folks that are out there terrorizing your clinic? Sure. Uh, Like you said, my parents started the first clinic in Raleigh in 98. Um, Since then, we've opened three more, including another one in North Carolina in Charlotte. Um, And that's usually the clinic people most associate with awful protesting. Um, And like you said, it's because of North Carolina really becoming this hub of anti-choice protesters. Um, We're seeing folks move here from out of state, from across the country to make this Charlotte metropolitan area, their home or their target base. And it's something that we've seen increase a lot over the past few years, especially. Um, Growing up when I was around my parents, uh, I got shielded a lot by it, but it was also a very different level of, of protester and extremism. You had, you know, a handful of folks who were really gung ho and you had the a handful of folks that were more like street preachers more than anything, but it rarely got bigger than like 10 people. Um, you know, this past Saturday, I think we had like 350 protesters on Saturday. What? 
How many patients uh, did you have? Like yeah, five? Definitely, <laughs> definitely not that many. Um, you what know, what is the pro- the student teacher ratio? Yeah. There? My <laughs> God. Oh, I mean, I've gone back and looked at the numbers, and we're seeing like a two to one ratio of protester for like, wow. or three to one actually of like protesters to patient for through a whole whole year. Because obviously Saturdays are the worst and that's where the big numbers come out. Um and I think that's pretty stereotypical of any abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. But um you know during the week we still get somewhere between 10 and 20, 10 and 30 like rolling on the sidewalk. Um we've been the destination location for a lot of abortion tourism and a lot of summer schools or summer oh. vacation Bible schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of those. So it's a, it's a really odd phenomenon. Um, I'm caught in this weird, like maelstrom of hearing other folks talk about their protesters. And I know it's awful because no clinic deserves to have any protesters. It's, it's awful across the board. And then I always get a little jealous because I'm like, how many do you have? And they're like 10. And I'm like, ah, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then they ask me and they're like, well, you know, last year I saw 26,000. And they're like, what? Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's really mind boggling. And people don't believe it until they see it. So how does this environment like the, the environment that these harassers create, like how does it affect both staff and also the patients who are just coming to get a medical procedure? You know, we've had a really over the past couple of years, especially we've had a really good run of volunteers um, and, you know, it's evolved over the years to kind of meet the needs and meet protesters, you know, as they evolve into different places and different, I guess, levels of stratosphere of how crazy they're going to be for patients in particular. It's obviously really jarring. Like why is someone yelling at me? Why is someone Mm -hmm. on the loudspeaker telling me that, you know, there's not enough Coke I can snort or alcohol I can drink to forget this. Um, Whoa. That's what they say. Oh, it is the the direct quotable from Flint Venom that he says at least once a day is there's not enough uh, booze in this world. There's not enough cocaine. You can snort people you can sleep with or sex you can have to forget that you're murdering a baby today. He's not trying. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He has not seen me do drugs. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, you know, also, it's it's something. But also, like, and that is so specific and specifically oh, yeah. weird. I, yeah. It is so specifically weird. Like, how did he even think that through? And also, like, do you yell that just once or do you, like, yell it every five minutes? It's you know like what I mean? It's like at least two or three times in, like, the three-hour spiel. And you're just like, you, you're, are you coming from experience? Have you, are you, are you like trying to figure this out? I don't understand. Have you watched too many Hulu documentaries about yourself? I don't know. So like, so if a patient, like, have you observed a patient like hear that and then be struck or like just sort of. I've seen both. I've okay. seen patients hear this and be like mildly like already upset because you just drove through a gauntlet of people trying to stop your damn car and you know sometimes you've got people who are actually like touching your car and trying to stop you in the road and then you get out of the car and you hear that if you're already upset you're gonna get really upset Mm -hmm. on the flip side i've also heard people get out of their car and just hear that and just start busting out laughing (laughs) um you know it really depends (laughs) it really depends it also depends if it's a parent if it's a parent of a patient I have seen I have seen several moms roll their asses down to the street and be like, "Do you want to fight?" <laughs> it's it, it's it. I mean, that is the appropriate little, response, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. who's that, gonna throw hands today? It's yeah. gonna be. Um, yeah. yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> really, like patients or patients' parents or patients' um, guardians or whoever's with them, just kind of being like. Shut up. Oh, yeah. People. At least once a day, a companion will go down to the sidewalk because we do have a private parking lot, thankfully. Um, They'll go down to the sidewalk to interact somehow. And security at this point is just kind of like, I'm not going to stop you from yelling at them, but please don't touch them. Like, then I will intervene if you start mm-hmm. looking like you're about to get upset. But because there's no winning, I mean they're going to get upset no matter what. So if somebody wants to mouth off and keep them from yelling at somebody else, you know, we kind of Unfortunately, we kind of have to let it happen because otherwise it's just going to get out of hand. And staff, how does this affect staff? You know, 
we've tried to be really particular with staff about making sure that they are shielded as much as possible. Um, usually it's like, they don't directly interface with protesters. I do, um, and the police and things like, and, and, um, volunteers just to kind of give them as much separation as possible, but that doesn't shield them from hearing this shit day in and day out. Um, it's obviously really upsetting. It's obviously it wears on you, even if like, it's just so loud and so obnoxious. And, you know, we've had a lot of sound ordinances and different types of things change over the years to no real effect. Like, um, the group love life actually purchased the property next to our admin building. I had to brick my office windows shut to cut down the sound. And then I had to move offices because you can still hear wow. them everywhere in the building. Oh, damn. And it's nuts. And, you know, the building, the way it is, it's like the admin building is between the clinic and this protester lot. And you can still hear them in the fucking clinic. <laughs> it is insanely loud. So yeah, it definitely wears on, you know, staff a lot to have to hear that day in and day out. Um, but, you know, we do try to kind of neutralize some of it with humor. Um, like flips a walking joke all, all on his own. Um, like you don't have to even write those punchlines. He does it all on his own. <laughs> um, but you know, we also have a handful of other folks who just, you know, are such character, like caricatures of what a human possibly could have been in a really bad, cheesy 80s sitcom, but like even 12 times worse. So you, we see that a lot. So now we're sitting in a space that we row has fallen. Yeah. You ha we've had about two, two and a half months and change of this. Has have you seen a ramp up among these already existing? Like it's just that's just mind-boggling to me that you got two to three protesters per pregnant person that's trying to get care. Have you seen an even an increase even beyond row in those numbers and those protester tactics? Um, we're definitely seeing an increase from Increase of numbers back to like the pre-COVID days. Okay. Um, because we did have, you know, there were state laws in North Carolina about yes. gathering and things like that. Um, so we are seeing that ramp up back to like the pre-COVID style numbers, which were really outlandish. Um, we're also seeing an increase in hostility. Um, you know, we're seeing mm. folks be a lot more aggressive than they used to be. Um, we had an incident a couple of weeks ago where a traveling protester brought their dog and like, Aww. not even like everyone's, we're all really dog friendly folks. We're all pet friendly folks. We try to be, but I mean, this is a, someone who's like wearing a shirt that has a like sheriff's badge on it saying that they're a sheriff for Jesus with a German shepherd trying Ooh. to approach. Oh cars. no. And, um, you know, wow. We actually, at one point, uh, a couple of uh, like volunteers at some point had said, you know, please, you know, just be careful with your dog. You don't want him to get hit. Like, don't keep him away from the driveway. Um, and this person had the, had the gall to say, don't worry. He doesn't, he's not going to bite you. He doesn't like the taste of queers. Oh, oh my shit. God. <laughs> and yeah. Oh, so, wow. Also, so how would you know? <laughs> They just yeah. assumed that anyone who was on property or a staff or protester or, or volunteer, they thought that we were all just, you know, terrible yep. people and, you know, just threw us all into a, a loop. But hey, like, okay, that's not but the also, worst thing I've been called today. Cool. That's also wow. not wrong, but cool. <laughs> but also, like, I'm concerned that your dog knows what queer people taste like. <laughs> right. I'm I'm concerned for the dog in general. Like, yeah, who, I'm at, like, I'm concerned all around. Mm -hmm. Lots right? of concern. So much concern. And when that's you something think, we've never seen before, ever. Well, and the history and the use of like dogs, horses to terror, particularly German shepherds. <laughs> yep, I had a German shepherd. Communities are terrified of them for really good reason. Absolutely. And, like, wow. Like, oh, and, yeah, it's it's really. And that was part of the reason why we had like, you know, some of the white female volunteers go down there and say, hey, you know, please stay away. Because you don't want to put any patient or any companion or anyone in that position they don't want to be in. But, you know, we're seeing this type of increase where, you know, much more militaristic. Um, we've had a couple of incidents of folks bringing weapons to protests, which is illegal in the state of North Carolina, um, and having to deal with the fallout of that. I mean, it's just 
truly mind boggling. North Carolina is one of the few places you can get an abortion in that region. Yep. <laughs> you, yeah. You yeah. literally are oh, a, an island in the middle of an abortion desert, right? Like, yeah. So and we're where else are they going to go? We're definitely feeling that right now. Especially the young folks that are like those states surrounding you already had ridiculously, horrifically cruel laws limiting someone to abortion, abortion access based on age. So it's like just thinking of the sheer volume of people that have to come to you for that now more than other, while you're also surrounded by these politicians that are horrific and continuing to go in on, on targeting your clinic, on encouraging people to go after and engage in this abortion tourism. Uh, y'all are just, I'm glad you exist, but geographically, how hard is that? It is, you know what, I really haven't had too much of a chance to sit down and really absorb. Um, I think we've all been in just survival mode, go, go, go as much as you can. Um, We're one of the few clinics in the state that's open and provides abortion services six days a week. Um, So, and at, at both facilities. So, you know, we are absorbing a lot of patient care. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do as much as we can to, to increase access, but, you know, we're only human. Um, there's only so many staff members and it's, it's definitely rough. Um, we haven't really had a chance to breathe yet. (laughs) Um, we're still trying to figure out the kinks of how to make things work. And it's, it sucks because, you know, you're having to tell patients, I'm so sorry, you're going to have a wait. It's going to be longer than normal. I'm so sorry that it's, this isn't the, you know, very private situation you might experience in a normal doctor's office because we're having to see so many people. Right. And there's just that's nowhere the, else to go. That's the post row Dobbs world we're living in. I feel like yeah. it's only been, you know, Marie, you did the count. It's been two and a half months. Like, wait, that's and it. Yeah, I know. And I feel like, um, I don't know if in, in um, North Carolina specifically, but I feel like restrictions and laws are really just flying at us so fast and furiously. Like, who can keep up? Absolutely. And the backlash of like, is there an injunction? Is there not an injunction? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it flips like light switches. You never yep. know. And like half the time, I haven't even got a news alert yet, but I know something's happened because our phone volume ticks up. And yep. you're just like, great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This is not what I wanted. I feel like that walking like uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine gif of like Jake Peralta just being like coo 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 yeah. the entirety <laughs> of my life. Like that's just it right now. That's me all the time. Um, Calla, this has been fantastic talking to you. Um, I just have one other question. In the midst of all this and the deluge of protesters you get, and I'm sure people who are trying to get abortions, what gives you hope? That's a good question. Um, somebody asked me last week, it's like, do you do this because you're hopeful for the future? And I was like, no, I do this out of spite. And that's pretty true right now. Um, I like there's the only thing I can really exist on right now. It's definitely not sleep. It's rage. Um, rage and spite is what's kind of keeping me going. But, you know, in terms of hopefulness, what keeps me hopeful and okay doing this work, even when it's really, really fucking shitty is staff. Like I'm very, very lucky to have a staff that truly cares about the cause and being surrounded by staff member who like, we're all a family. Uh, We jokingly called it trauma bonds, but you know, we're all a family at this point. And we really do want to make sure that we're doing the best we can for other folks because that's what we would want for our kids. And that keeps me hopeful. If they can handle it, I can do anything. Kala, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's we've, we've tried this for months, but we finally did it. We did it. <laughs> yes. Kala yes. Hales, thank you so much for joining us. To learn more about how to advocate for independent clinics, check out operationsaveabortion.com. Oh, now, that was a that was a really great interview. That was a really wonderful interview. Thank you all for listening. We do this show as a labor of love, but also we can't do it without our exceptional sponsors. And by sponsors, we mean the fake advertisers we make up. Oh, absolutely. You know, Marie, working in an environment with no cis-head white men, I often struggle with feeling too heard or too supported in my workplace. And no one likes that uncomfortable feeling of confidence. So... When I need my own field of expertise explained to me, or I need to be told by some dude to smile more, I call dickrecruiter.com. 
Moji, when I have a great idea, but it needs the chafing validity that only a man repeating it verbatim can give it, I log on to dickrecruiter.com. Within seconds, I'll have hundreds of Richards to choose from to show up at my big meeting and, well, actually, my idea into his own, giving him all the credit and giving me the satisfaction of having my ideas bring him success. Thanks, Dick. Sign up for a monthly subscription using promo code hashtag ManUp and receive a complimentary Reply Guy session that includes up to eight replies to your Twitter post about how you would be better served by censoring men more when posting about women's issues. DickRecruiter.com, when your ideas need that special male touch. Oh, never need that special male touch. <laughs> don't. Don't you love the entities that support us, Moji? We just have the best advertisers, just people bringing the products that we need. Yeah. Where's, where are we going to get that sweet Hardee's ad money? I mean, I actually want that money now. They're funny. Right? <laughs> right? God, we need we need a midday snack sponsor. I think I could use a midday snack right about now. Anyway, I got to sit down with Bitch. Uh, and talk about lots of cool shit. Bitch is a performance artist, writer, and musician who creates incredibly witchy poet pop music that you don't want to miss. Hi. Hi. Bitch, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's so fun to call someone I've never met before, bitch, unironically, and not in a mad, angry way. Every time I say it, I'm like, oh, this isn't one of my homegirls, but I guess you are now. Yes. <laughs> it kind of does feel like that, right? <laughs> so, I was reading, you are a recovering New Yorker? Like I am a recovering New yeah. Yorker. Like, what prompted you to move out of the city that never sleeps? Like, were you, were you looking for sleep? Why'd you leave? What happened? <laughs> you know... I, it was like 15, I, I made it 15 years. And then I think at just some point I was just like, I need, I need a washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like, not feel like I'm battling at Trader Joe's, like just to get through the line. I need birds outside. I mean, there are birds in New York. I know, but they're struggling. <laughs> I like walked by one today and I was like, I don't think that's where that's where birds this is not where birds belong or like we should stop what we're doing that and get to the way of the way you know the birds the birds are not doing great in new york oh i know well, they're struggling anywhere i know and oh so anywhere. it wasn't like a pandemic move you weren't like oh i gotta get out of here because i need a backyard no. because i because i live in a, a studio apartment and now i can't leave it because that was like yeah the main no move. I left in 2011, so it was a long time ago. Oh, nice. But I, I do feel for all my New Yorker friends who went through that there. Oh, my God. It's terrible. I was in L.A. at the time, so, you know, it was great to be able to be outside. I mean, my God. At least it was the spring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It wasn't the dead it was of the It could have been December. At least yeah. it was the spring. Um. So we are an abortion podcast, and as such, we we just really like to ask people, where were you when Roe fell? Oh my gosh. I was in, I believe I was playing, I was in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, playing a pride festival. Yep. Sheboygan. Say it okay. again. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Moji, and that's that's a little difficult. <laughs> Yeah, I was playing a pride festival for yeah. Whoever did like someone tell you, grade. or did you like catch a news? I believe I got an alert on my phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was wild. I feel like we all just sunk into a minor depression, and then you know we got oh, to work. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, it still feels surreal. Like you know, even when people are saying the post row era, I was born in seventy three. Oh, wow. So it's your life. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly my lifespan. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things I just, I really never thought that would happen. And then yeah. of course with the last, you know, six years, you know, then you start to think, oh, right. Anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. And it's wild. You know, what we do on our pod a lot is just like track what's happening and it's like, oh, it's, things are actually worse than we thought they would be. <laughs> so that's, that's super fun. <laughs> God. Super fun. Uh, 
how ha- like what's going on with you guys? I mean, sorry, I'm really trying to replace you guys. You guys. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and my motto is, you know, when people get defensive, like, well, I'm not gay. I'm just like, I don't care. Who I'm cares? not a guy. Yeah, I mean, also exactly. Like, wait a minute, we could just walk away from this assumption that we're all guys. I like you guys. (laughs) Also, I don't think I want to hang with people who will be like, no, I don't want you to call me that. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. If you're defensive about that, I need better friends. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. For real, I need people who are just like, okay, are we claiming it now? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Gosh, yeah, yeah. So we've been, you know, we... We soldier on. <laughs> uh, I've been at AAF for quite some time, and I feel like we've been talking about the pros row era for whatever. And even after seeing the like leak decision, it was still, you know, in in in, in May, I was still like, it's not going to be that. And then, bam, here we are. Bam, it's that. It is in fact that. So I've been listening to your album, Bitchcraft. Yay! Thank it you. Maybe the pop album of my dreams. Oh my god! Like I love it. It's like. Everything I like about music would just pop and fun. And then like, anyway, women yes. singing. <laughs> like, Thank you. It's like everything. I feel like my kids starting to get into it. And so you've been touring. I've been touring. Yes, I have been. I, I have been riding that broomstick. Since <laughs> the moment the album came out, I started in L.A. Um, with record release shows and I've been touring ever since. And I just got off a a little tour with the Indigo Girls. Amazing. Very behind Bitchcraft. You know, they are huge supporters. And yeah, I'm heading out again. I wrote a little bit of an autobiographical tale to go along with the album. So I've been kind of performing it almost like a play. What do you mean by I? Okay. I need you to explain a little bit more. Okay, it's a jaunt through my history, if you will. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I do some storytelling and kind of link the songs um, in an autobiographical way and kind of, you know, take you through my artistic journey as a feminist artist. And yeah, and bring us right to here we are, you know, post row. Did we ever think we would be here? So I'm actually, I've kind of rewritten it a little bit and I'm going to be doing that at Joe's pub on the 22nd. So uh, I think it's on my to-do list. I think I'm coming to that um, because I've fallen in love with your album. And Yay. yeah, someone was like, well, we should go. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. I'm painting the cauldron as we speak. Nice. <laughs> what colors? <laughs> Black. Oh, oh. You know, it's maybe I should do something kind of interesting on the inside. I don't know. It's not like black is expected. You know what I mean? Like you don't see other cauldrons. I know, it's true. It's maybe like, I need a hot green one. I'm just saying, yeah. Like at some point, you know, I would like a theater to pick this piece up so I can do a run where I actually have some proper um props built and it's not just me like you know crafting them out of cardboard and a wing and a prayer (laughs) spit spit magic (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh fingers crossed so yes what has touring been like you know we had this pandemic you may have heard of it i did hear about it (laughs) (laughs) it's your first step going out since like uh the world shut down for a little bit of time It's been wild. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, I took a long break from touring as well. Mm -hmm. So um, for me to come back out in the world, it's felt really amazing. And then I also feel like as humans, I think one of the things that the pandemic did is made us all realize like, oh, right, we need each other. Mm -hmm. We need art. We need community. We need organizing. We need activism, you know, like we can't all just live in a little vacuum. And it's felt very inspiring in that way. You know, it it feels like people are hungry. Yeah, I feel like that. I mean, even still, you know, for the last year or so, we've kind of been going out, but it still does always feel like a revelation. Like, like I was excited. I was like, oh, I'm going, I don't know if I've been to a concert 
And so when I was like, when I realized I'm going to go see you, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be so nice, like being at a concert. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know, feed a starving person saltines. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like filet mignon. <laughs> Hopefully my show will be better than Saltines. Um, I'm super excited because you are joining us for Do Re Mi Too for the first time this year. And it is such a fun show. Uh, uh, I can't wait. I've I've booked it into my little tour. Like I have a night off. I play with Ani for two nights. I'm going to go meet nice. up with her. And then I have... I believe it's the next night. And I told my the, my friend that travels with me, I'm like, it's going to be you and me in a random hotel room somewhere. We're doing this. It is so fun, like being in the chat, like watching them. And I like, you know, I'm, I, I work at AF, but I'm like, I don't want to see any of the shows like until the day of. I want to like have the oh, surprise and the treat. Yeah, like it is really like for me, it's an unveiling. So like I've not seen Oh, your performance cool. but like don't spoil the song but can you just I won't. Can you tell me a little bit of like how did you decide on a song like did you did you like for years be like oh I have the sexist song I totally want to like redo or were you just like all of them are fucked up where do I start <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like let me count the ways well the song that I did I love this song I've loved it for a long time and it's one of those things that you're like you know, after you kind of wake up and you're like, wait a minute, what am I singing along to? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something painful about it. And then, of course, just like, oh, right, duh, they're all assholes. You know, that kind of feeling. <laughs> and when when y'all asked me to do it, even before I saw the list, I knew what I, I was like, I have to do that song. And... I saw the list and I was like, yes, it's on there and it's unclaimed. So (laughs) it had been in my, on my bucket list for a long time. And it's wild because yeah, recently I've been doing quite a few covers and anyway, my next, my next incantation, I've got to start covering women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've done Mm -hmm. a lot of covers now of male songs. So (laughs) anyway, but I, yeah, I love this song. And of course it's also disgusting. I, we had a, like in the before times, we did a live Dory Me Too in, I think it was Minneapolis. And um, Tina Schlieski sang It's a Man's World by James Brown. And I have loved that song my whole life. My mother loved this song. Like it is like an ancestral song of mine. And she sang it and I was like, this song is fucked up. (laughs) Right? Oh my, and I still love it. But like that song is fucked up. (laughs) It's such a wild feeling. <laughs> that is like the great thing about Do Re Me Too. You're just like, no, I know the song. I love the song. And then someone sings it and you're like, I've been singing that? <laughs> My parents let me listen to that? <laughs> I know. How? Why? How? This is a terrible idea. Also, oh. I still I still, I still, still play it. It's a man's it's world. Man's <laughs> it's a man's world. Against- <laughs> oh. I know it is. It's so good. Um, but yeah, and then it's just like you start listening. You're just like, all these songs are fucked up. Why are we? Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I was like, oh, I can just listen to bitch and not know I don't have it. I'm none of that shit. <laughs> I can just yes. release a little bit of the patriarchy whilst enjoying pop. <laughs> a whilst. A win. Yes. <laughs> uh... Anyway. Mitch, we've got to go, but it has been so great talking to you. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure. We are so excited to have you on Dory Me Too and about your show. I'm going to be there screaming in the front row. Yay! (laughs) Bitchcraft, the album. Uh, You can get the album anywhere. I found it on Apple Music. Tour dates are at bitchmusic.com. And she'll be at Do Re Me Too on October 6th. You can get tickets to that at doremetoo.com. Bitch, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your great work. Thank you, bitch, for joining us today. Please follow bitch at bitch music on Instagram and Twitter. You can check out her incredible album, Bitchcraft, wherever you listen to music. And check out tour dates at bitchmusic.com. 
Also, you'll be able to see Bitch, Margaret Cho, Nico Case, and many other fab artists for Do Re Mi 2, Sexist Songs by Righteous Women. That will be hosted by our dear friend, Liz Winstead. And truly, Do Re Mi 2 is so much fun. It's the best. And you want to catch it live to get all of the action. Everyone's like in the chat. It's just super fun. The show streams October 6, 9 p.m. Eastern. And it's a benefit for abortion access front. Also, Marie, we did a show. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Thank you also yeah. to Calla Hales for joining us to talk South Carolina. To learn more about how to advocate for independent clinics, check out operationsaveabortion.com. Thank you so much for listening. We are here for you as we navigate these dark days. We want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times ahead. We are in this together. We got you. Subscribe, write us a review and give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you are helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up on all the latest Repro news, you can follow us on social at Abortion Front, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and the YouTubers. And as always, FBK Live is edited by Remedy Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. If you missed our training kickoff to Operation Save Abortion, don't worry, you can watch all of the sessions. Access the activity guide and sign up for upcoming events led by abortion access groups from all over the country just by visiting operationsaveabortion.com. And next week, and next week on FBK Live, musician and producer Nico Case, another Doremi 2 performer, will be here. We'll also be talking to Kelly Cleland and Nikita Cod of the American Society for Emergency Contraception about obstacles to obtaining emergency contraception and youth activism to increase that access. And lastly, join our Patreon. You'll support great content and get cool FBK merch and experiences. <laughs> experiences. All pledges support this pod and all our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. And finally, we leave you with a man who ought to try pegging. I find it fascinating this week in research to find out whenever there's this aberrant sexuality, which according to human history, forget about religion, according to human history, the last visage of a culture before it is destroyed by either weather or by invading armies is aberrant sexuality. Every single nation on earth that has gone away in the dustbin of history, the last witness of that nation throughout human history was odd sex. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.